Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Rablick. Thank you for joining me for this weekly tax chat where we look at all manner of issues to do with taxation and compliance and take you behind the scenes, if you like, uh, as to what tax agents are experiencing as well. Because those of you that uh, use tax agent may not always be aware of some of the challenges that are faced by tax agents. Now, one of the topics we want to cover this, this evening, or rather in this podcast, is the topic of how you choose a tax agent, what you need to look for. Because there have been various segments over the past fortnight on, ver- on various breakfast programs and all over the place uh, of people talking about tax matters, but I'm not sure the explanation has been executed as well as it possibly can. So to help me do that, we've got our regular tax expert, tax guru, tax trainer, Lisa Gregg, who's going to take us through some issues uh, in the next little while. Lisa, thanks for joining me again. My pleasure, Tom. Now, in, in, in terms of tax agents and what people should be doing, I'm uh, I'm staggered that we're seeing some rather obscure explanations of what tax agents and accountants do. Um, And I'll explain this in my words, and I'll get Lisa to embellish it a bit in in terms of context, but accountants are a part of the discipline of accountancy, and tax is one component of that. So when people are talking about what accountants can do and what tax agents can do, they sometimes don't differentiate between what is effectively a subset of the actual discipline overall. Tax agents are specifically individuals that are regulated by law. There's a Tax Agent Services Act and they need to meet the stringent conditions that are set by the Tax Practitioners Board for registration. An accountant who's a member of a professional body typically cannot provide uh, tax advice to clients, that is, individual taxpayers or corporate taxpayers, uh, because they're not registered. Classic case in point. I'm not a registered tax agent, but I am a member of a professional accounting body. I can't offer tax advice. I can offer analysis on policy, but I cannot offer an individual tax advice. My colleague on this podcast, Lisa Gregg, is a registered tax agent. Lisa is able to go beyond what I am in the area of uh, the provision of advice and the lodgement of returns and preparation of returns that end up with the tax office. There's a major difference between the two of us. We're subject matter experts, but Lisa has the required regulatory recognition to be able to provide tax services under law. Now, Lisa, have I missed anything? I don't think so, Tom. I think that's probably a pretty pretty good summation. Um, And I think what we're seeing now, um, there's pretty much what, let's say three major accounting bodies that um, usually accountants are members of. And the definition of accountant is quite broad now. There's a lot of different areas one can specialise in. So, you know, an accountant could be something like, you know, you use something broad like an athlete and then, you know, someone's an expert in 
don't know, pole vaulting or heptathlon or whatever, you know, I've chosen to specialise in being a tax agent. And it doesn't mean that's all the services that I perform, but I can actually um, provide tax advice, I can do tax planning, I can prepare tax returns and lodge them on behalf of taxpayers with the ATO. And I'm allowed to talk to the ATO on behalf of my clients because I've got my ticket being a tax agent number. And that's how it works. Now, we've spoken on podcasts previously about the, the fact that you as a tax agent are able to access information about your clients that's stored by the ATO, and in certain circumstances, it's actually a decade's worth of information that you're able to get your hands on. And that, and that is access that's given to you because you are registered um, as a tax agent and you're regulated by a professional body as well as um, the, the Tax Practitioners Board. Yeah, and I'm being given permission by my clients to act on their behalf because when I ask to get permission for that client through the ATO portal, as we call it, so all the information the ATO have about our clients, we basically say, have you been given permission by our clients to act on their behalf? So it's that sort of, uh, it's a three-way arrangement pretty much between the taxpayer, the ATO and us tax agents. And the ATO refer to us as actually intermediaries in some some circles. So they say, what are the intermediaries doing? So we're the ones that are liaising. Because also, if you think about it, Tom, the ATO rely on us tax agents to basically uphold the tax law and make sure that taxpayers, all of them, all 11 million or something, I think there's roundabout in Australia, taxpayers, um, that um, they're doing the right thing. So we're helping educate as well as lodging tax returns and making sure they're true and correct and those sort of things as well. So we actually... You know, I don't, don't really think we could call ourselves the gatekeepers, but we, you know, we're, we're sort of we've we've got dual responsibilities: upholding the tax law and doing the best for our clients. So it's a, it's an it's an interesting uh, a paradigm we we sit ourselves in as tax agents. Absolutely. So what people need to be conscious of is this as well. You are somebody can be well-informed in tax law. They can have done tax at uni. They can have done other professional development, right? But they're not in a position where they can use that knowledge to sell services to you if they're unregistered. That's true, That's true. But also, actually, you actually brought up an interesting point because, you know, we've got different facets within what we're talking about. We've got the bookkeepers, and just let's park that because I think that's probably a whole separate podcast. But if you go to a tax lawyer, they know all about tax law, but they actually can't fill in a tax return and lodge it on behalf of a client with the ATO unless they are a tax agent as well. So someone can be a a lawyer, in other words, having a, a practicing certificate in law, Right and and know everything more probably more about law than what I actually do and the intricacies of the wording and everything like that. But then they come to me and say, "Can you lodge the tax return for our mutual client?" So it's interesting how it all works as well. Yeah, I mean, to explain this in a sort of language people will understand. If the, if the listeners can imagine a Venn diagram. One circle, one circle has got lawyers written in the middle of it, 
another circle's got a countenance in the middle of it. But you bring the two circles together and where it assume that where it means you've got tax agents. So you can have lawyers that are tax agents. Mm-hmm. You can have That's accountants right. that are tax agents. Uh, it's important at this point to note that most of the registrations under our regulatory system are not dependent on um, the bodies to which you are a member, but they're dependent on the function you fulfil. Correct. Good that is, if you are in, yeah, it's a distinction that mm-hmm. people need to remember. Mm-hmm. Great. If you are a, if you are a tax lawyer or a tax accountant, and you're registered with the TPB and um, the tax are able to buy tax much. Yeah, tax practitioners board. Yep. yep. You are able to provide a service to a client and lodge their return. Correct. The tax practitioners board also has a complaints and disciplinary function under law as well, and that means that if you if a client complains, they need to trigger a process to investigate the complaint, and then if the complaint complaint is proven against the tax agent action may be taken. So there's a list on the TPB website, tpb.gov.au, of all the professional bodies that are recognised tax agent associations or recognised SPAS agent associations or associations that are recognised uh, for the purposes of um, tax financial advisors. That, and that is something Lisa and I will bring up in another podcast, but you just need to be aware that there are different categories that are regulated by the Tax Practitioners Board. Mm-hmm. And I'm held now, to account by my professional body as well as by the Tax Practitioners Board. Yep. Now, one of the key things that, that listeners need to remember about looking for a tax agent is, firstly, are they a member of a professional body? It is very rare that you will see a tax agent that is not a member of a professional body. Uh, typically, in the accounting world, people will be a member of uh, CPA Australia, Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand. They may be a member of the Institute of Public Accountants. They may also be a member of a couple of other bodies, one of which is the National Tax and Accountants Association and another one called TAI Practitioners and Advisors Limited, for example. Those groups are recognised for the purposes of um, the the Tax Agent Supervision Act. They're they're given that recognition so that members of those bodies are able to be registered uh, with the TPB, and they also, as Lisa said, provide some degree of monitoring of training and yeah, and discipline uh, for those individual members. And ethics, Tony, uh, Tom, as well. So it's basically uh, ethics yeah. as well. So it's there's sort of there's sort of the the continuing professional development that we're required to do on an annual basis, but also making sure that we're good, upstanding citizens and behave ethically, which I think is extremely important in um, well the current scrutiny of the accounting profession in general. Absolutely. The other thing that listeners won't be aware of, but we should also point out, is that, um, as I said earlier, there are some people who are not members of professional bodies. The reason that they are not usually relates to 
things like um, there may be a member of a religion of some description, uh, some kind of religious society that prohibits them from being a member of a professional organisation. That doesn't let them off the hook, however. The actual law by which tax practitioners are regulated does embed a, you know, a set of ethical principles within it. And the Tax Practitioners Board has detailed guidance on how those principles need to be interpreted in the context of you know, the tax agent you may engage. So just because someone's not a member of a professional body does not mean the law or, or ethical principles fail to apply. They're caught in other ways. Membership of a professional body is another layer by which the tax agent who makes an egregious error or does the wrong thing by you is able to be disciplined, uh, possibly uh, required to fulfil training, or even if the if it's a really serious case of misconduct, they can get turfed by the membership body and it, and that would lead to the TPB, Tax Practitioners Board, asking questions as well. Uh, the thing we haven't touched on yet, Lisa, is professional bodies also require individuals that are members but are in public practice to hold a public practicing certificate. That's correct, Tom. So you hold a public practicing certificate? I've actually got two. With... <laughs> I've actually got two with both of my accounting affiliated bodies. Yes. Okay, you've got two. You've got one with the chartered accountants. Mm-hmm. Yep, and one, and with, one the with the Institute of Public Accountants. That's correct. Okay, so you've got two. <laughs> the important thing here uh, is that a member with a public practicing certificate must also have professional indemnity insurance. Correct. Now, that that is why people listening need to remember to ask, is someone a member of a professional body and do they hold a practicing certificate? PI insurance is important because that gives you some level of protection uh, in the circumstances where a tax agent uh, may do the wrong thing, something may may come awry, uh, and you may need to get some compensation. That is why professional indemnity insurance exists. Yeah, and it's pretty much mandatory for my professional body as well, for the Tax Practitioners Board, that we need to be covered for PI insurance and having a practising certificate then gives another level of um, assurance when it comes to those Absolutely. Sort of things. Absolutely. Yeah. So there, there are three things that matter in terms of the individuals that, we've, that people may choose. First, are they a member of an accounting body? Secondly, do they hold a practising certificate? Thirdly, are they registered with the Tax Practitioners Board? The TPB has a register of all the people that are registered with them. You need to, you if you've given a name by somebody um, that a friend or a relative uses as a tax agent, you can then look, look them up on the Tax Practitioners Board website because guess what? you're going to be able to find whether they've got a registration and mostly if they've got membership of a professional body because that will be publicly 
available. Mm -hmm. That's on our listing. Okay. So it's so it, but on our listing with the Tax Practitioners Board, it gives the year at which we first um, acquired our tax agent number and also what professional bodies we're affiliated with. And what you may find is that, well, from, from my instance, I'm registered under my own individual name because you need to be if you're, a, if you're a tax agent. And because I operate my practice through a company, my company is registered as well with the Tax Practitioners Board. So I'm covering basically two registrations with them because if I'm going to invoice clients under my company name, I've also got to be a registered tax agent. That's, uh, that's actually an interesting point as well. So people need to bear that in mind. Uh, when they're having some conversations. Yeah, so I think now, looking at looking at a, a tax agent, if you're, they're a sole practitioner, you can look for their name. But if you're actually getting looked after by a company, you may find that um, there could be one or two tax agents that look after you. But you've got to make also make sure that the company or the trust or whatever the 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 tax the um, accounting firm or the tax agent firm that you're getting looked after with is also registered. Now, there are a couple of things that um, CPA Australia, by the way, has has pointed to um, in addition to what Lisa and I have spoken about. I'll read through the list and, and Lisa and I will uh, pick off a couple of these because we've both had some experience in listening to complaints from clients or former clients of tax agents in, in the past, given our... Uh, given um, our careers in various places. So CBA Australia says you need to be wary of a low fixed, a very low fixed fee, the promise of large refunds. Mm -hmm. um, be wary of individuals that rush their work. Are they actually thinking about what they're doing for you and whether, it, whether your circumstances actually fit what they're putting into the tax return online? Uh, dodgy paperwork practices is something else that people need to be wary of. And also um, the whole notion of ask, asking you to have access to my tax, which is a no-no. Mm -hmm. um, any bona fide tax agent, any anyone that is registered, has access to your details because they can do so through the ATO. Lisa's got access to client information because clients have given her permission. Anyone that's not a tax agent should not be looking at your private records online through your MyGov portal. That is a no-no. That is a sign that something is going really wrong. Lisa, your perspective? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, big thing with cybersecurity, and there's been some denial of service attacks and things like that that's been in the media over the past uh, couple of weeks, and even even further, uh, Tom, is that um, most access is by two-factor authentication, and, and the ATO demands that. So, when I access uh, client information through the ATO services, it's two-factor authentication. So, um, I put in put in a password. Uh, a unique password that's mine and also some other 
um, series of codes, let's put it that way, that changes on a regular basis if people understand how Authenticator works or any other. My GovID is what the new one is with the ATO. Um, so that's what happens even with um, software vendors. So uh, the, the various different accounting packages, everyone uses two-factor authentication. My SMSF preparation software as well has got all two-factor authentication. It's a mandatory requirement. So based on that, um, there is no possible way that any taxpayer should be passing out any sort of passwords uh, to any of any um, uh, people that are holding themselves out as being tax agents, accountants, or someone who'll just prepare their tax return for 50 bucks or something like that. Um, because not only that, that um, it's all it should be all two-factor, as I said. So it's it's easy for someone to give you a password, but then how do you actually do the second, um, the second factoring of um, that protection? So it just Maybe doesn't it make sense, Tom, for that anyone would be able to um, access uh, easily uh, the client's MyGov account, for example, or MyTax. But absolutely, the other the listeners need to be aware of aware of this fact. Um, there are many, many scams out there. And what you need to be wary of is anyone that wants access to your personal details could also be engaged in identity theft. Because on those portals, you've got your tax file number. You've got all this unique information. Um, if you if you give people access to that, you're creating a major risk that they're able to impersonate you elsewhere. Yep, and we and we as far as far as the tax practitioners board's concerned and the ATO is concerned, we can't digitally transmit unencrypted, if I can put it that way, any client details, especially especially tax file numbers. So if I'm sending um, a tax return for someone to sign, there the at my tax preparation software automatically takes out the tax file number. So if I print out a piece of paper and give it to someone, there is no tax file number on there because that is the unique identifier and that's which could be susceptible to to fraud. So there's lots okay. of rules that we need to abide by. It is extremely dangerous for people to give their private details to anybody. Uh, I'm actually writing a book called Rorts and Ripoffs at the moment Correct. to be published by Wilkinson Publishing. And I'm looking at the issue of two, you know, multiple factor authentication. You heard it mentioned the other week when Scott Morrison and Linda Reynolds uh, uh, held a press conference looking at cybersecurity issues. People who were paying attention and weren't dumping on the PM and the minister at the time would have noticed that she was referring to multiple factor authentication. That is, you've got to make it more more difficult for people who are hackers, who are scammers, who are organised criminals, uh, to get access to your information. Your Gmail account has multiple factor authentication. Please put it on. Your, uh, your various accounts um, uh, elsewhere in social media. Twitter's got a two... Uh, a multiple factor authentication functionality. Switch it on. 
And, and really, Tom, I mean, people hate remembering passwords, as we well know. But with the two-factor authentication, um, I've got Authenticator as well as my GovID on my, on my phone. And it, once you've loaded it up, it just generates, you know, the unique codes, as we well know. So it's just a matter of, oh, I've got to get into this website. Let's just, you know, pull, pull out my smartphone. Okay, what's the, what's the you know, six-digit or eight-digit number that I need to put in? So it is, it is really quite... Look, it, I think it's a no-brainer now. You just you just accept it. That is the extra layer of security that you need. Yeah, I, mean, I think you need, if we go back and look at um, a couple of issues related to uh, the CPA Australia list, we've covered the issue of substantiation mm-hmm. before. Uh, you know, a tax agent that doesn't, an individual rather, that doesn't ask for um, whether you have got the underlying documentation to substantiate what you've, you're seeking to claim is not doing their job properly, okay? That's exactly Don't right, even go. And like, Don't I, even go there. And another thing that I think sort of the CPA list sort of alluded to but didn't quite spell out was that if you're um, getting anyone preparing your tax return and they're going to take a percentage of your refund, for example, you know, that's prohibited from us. We don't take percentages of your refund. There are some tax agents that's allowed to take their fees out of your refund. However, I'm not one of those because that's then – then basically indicating that I prepare a client's tax return and they're going to get a refund. And as we know from previous podcasts that we've discussed, that's not always the case. You're, I mean, ideally what you want is when you lodge your tax return, you don't have to pay and you don't get a refund because it means you're paying, you know, the Goldilocks tax, you know, not too hot, not too cold, just the right amount. Yeah. And the... And, and the psychological expectation, as we've discussed previously, in previous podcasts, if you want to hear those, you can go look down the archive of all of them. This is number 42, by the way. Oh, congratulations, um, Tom. That's a lot. Yeah, it, 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 yeah that, that's a lot. So we've done... Uh, it's got an um, Arthur Dent feel about it. It's 42. Guide to the Galaxy, isn't that? Wasn't that the number? Wasn't 42 the answer to the life, the universe and everything? Or is this showing my age of Douglas Adams? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, well, <laughs> well, anyone that's under the age of 35 should go to Google and look up Douglas Adams no, and never understand what we're talking yeah, about. Good old Arthur Dent. All right. Zarfod Beeblebrox, is it? Yeah. Ford Prefect. All of that. Oh, who Very... knows? Sorry, sidetracking. Let's get, let's get back onto choosing a tax agent. Um, very low, I mean, a very low fixed speed. That's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You need to be careful. Mm-hmm. The promise of large refunds usually means someone's lying to you. Um, seems to rush. Usually means they're, they're not interested in providing advice or a service that is actually going to deliver an outcome to you that matters. And look, the, now, the other thing, Tom, that I'm finding as well as I'm picking up more and more clients um, is that you need to, uh, you've got to have a tax agent that respects you, okay, and spends time with you. Now, a lot of times with individual clients, we might only, we might only see them once a year. However, we've still got to know enough about them to be able to make sure that we are, you know, making sure that they're receiving the, the right amount of deductions and things like that. If you don't fully understand the paradigm that your client is working within, um, you you're not going to be able to provide the best service for them. Uh, and so a lot of times I, t- 
I hear clients say, well, my, my previous accountant didn't explain that to me or, or, you know, why are you doing this, Lisa, or why are you saying that? And, you know, I try and explain it to them. They go, well, we understand, we understand. But so you've got to make sure that, you know, just like any, um, you know, customer supplier relationship, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, you've still got to treat, treat, treat your customer with respect. Well, uh, yeah, it is something that I need to, uh, we need to break down because it appears on a website, it was a slide that I think appeared on television on an obscure breakfast program, um, and they define tax agents as mainly focusing on annual accounts and tax returns. That's not the case. No. Um, tax agents focus on the provision of advice and the lodgement of tax returns. That is the domain of the tax agent according to law. Mm-hmm. Another part of the slide defines accountants as providing advice on income tax and other matters. No, 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 no. They're not allowed to provide advice for profit or for, for fees on um, issues related to income tax. They can't do it. Unless they're a tax agent. It's prohibited agent. under law. Yeah. Unless you're a tax agent. Correct. So, again, there are tax lawyers and there are accountants that specialise in tax. They can only provide tax advice to you if they are a registered tax agent and uh, they are then able to lodge a return. Okay? Um, and an accountant can prepare a set of accounts, they can have general knowledge about tax, they may work in a company and whatever have you. They can do business um, process mapping, they can look at your cash flow, they can do all those sort of things. But you know, when we come down to the nitty gritty of actually applying the tax law, um, you've got to be a tax agent. Absolutely. But I, mean, I, I, look at, I look at an accountant being described as being great, if someone's a small business or affairs are, are complicated. Um, no, tax agents actually deal with complicated issues as well. Yep. Uh, so you've got a, a fairly simplistic black and white definition happening that I don't think is useful. So I think, Lisa, would probably at this point we, um, we need to go through the key indicators again for people who've been listening. If you're looking for someone to do your tax return, make sure they're a member of a professional body in the first instance. Make sure they have a practicing certificate. Ensure that they are registered with the Tax Practitioners Board. Okay? That is where you will find uh, them on on a website, a register. They should be able to be viewed there. Um, there are other things you need to think about when you're selecting them, certainly a tax agent, but the key thing is, are they registered and are they qualified and are they doing the right training to keep themselves up to date? And that gives the taxpayer the confidence as well, Tom, that they've got some recourse if they're not happy with the services provided or whatever Absolutely. we're talking about right it's a it's a Absolutely. protection thing it's it's the it's not if it sounds too good to be true it is but if you if you're looking at at um engaging a professional then 
the professional has to be held to a higher standard. And so therefore, the taxpayer, our clients, have got some assurances that we know what we're doing. And if we if we don't, they can report us. It's as simple as that. Uh, ab- absolutely. Now, there are a couple of, uh, couple of, sort of other things. If you're meeting a tax agent or a person that purports to be a tax agent, the other thing to remember is also seek a recommendation from uh, people as to who they use. That may be, and in, in, in people that you trust, okay, not you, the, the average person on the street, people that you trust, people whose judgment you respect. It may give you a, an indication that the taxation they use, they use is appropriate. Mm-hmm. If you find it when you meet somebody and you don't feel comfortable engaging with them, then that's probably an indicator that you need to look elsewhere. So trust your gut, okay? That's also important. Um, You need to trust people with your affairs. You need to be able to have the same conversation with a tax agent about your finances that you would have uh, with the doctor about your health. If you can't do that, if you can't achieve that, then there are some uh, there are some issues that you need to you need to reflect on before you take somebody on as a tax agent, um, Lisa. Before we wrap things up, there are possibly some people out there listening to this who've heard their accountant talk about the ATO portal failing <laughs> and that being a reason why things have not been able to be uh, processed quickly enough. What's going on in your world? Oh, yes, Tom, getting towards the end of financial year, isn't it? And um, so, yes, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the new portal system, which now uses our MyGovID and things like that, um, hasn't been that robust of late. So from uh, pretty much 30 June um, until yesterday, so 30 June, 1st July, um, pretty much we couldn't access things. I think it even got, went on general media as well, saying that because uh, it's the same back end gets used for MyGov as well, that um, basically the portal's down. And the very interesting thing from us tax agents' point of view was that usually when the portal's down, we get quite a few text messages and emails from the ATO saying, just letting you know the portal's down, you know, we, we, we know that there's a problem, la 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 well, over the past couple of days, we didn't actually get that. We just couldn't get in. So that's causing us grief on a number of accounts. One is that it was a big lodgement day on 30 June because of COVID. It's not usually a big lodgement day. Usually we've got all the tax returns done by then, but because we've had to be juggling job keeper and cash flow boost and all those sort of things, um, the, we've got a we had a deferral to 30 June, so there's lots of people trying to lodge tax returns that day. So that could have um, basically overflowed the pipe. And then on um, July one, the media has said that there's been a lot of people trying to get their other ten thousand dollars worth of superannuation out, and so it was sort of like computer says no. Um, and I was giving a webinar all day and I just kept asking the people people on that webinar saying, has anyone jumped on the portal yet? Is it open? And they said, nope, still down. And I go, okay, fair enough. But um, it was just more, I think we were all surprised. We were, sorry, we weren't surprised with it being down because we knew it was going to be high traffic days. But 
I think most of us were just a little bit disappointed that the ATO didn't give the obligatory text message that they usually provide saying, um, look, we're trying to fix it. We know what the problem is. Um, Let's just, just let us fix it, in other words. So, yeah, that's been a little bit frustrating for, for all of us over the past couple of days. Um, yeah, I, would, I know that from time to time this happens, but it has been particularly difficult for tax practitioners that I'm aware of uh, who've had uh, the portal down. Now, bear in mind, you know, they, somebody might have a batch of clients that uh, have had returns or have had documents ready for the accountant to process um, and then get ready to, to lodge with the tax office. Trouble is, the returns can't be lodged if the portal is down or there are other issues that need to be resolved. It is, uh, it's been an extremely hectic time. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's compounded as well is that we've got to do our next uh, lot of JobKeeper declarations as well. So most of us were trying to get that done uh, today and, and in the next few days because, as we know with JobKeeper, each month, at the end of every month, um, we've got to do another declaration to release the funds for the um, JobKeeper payments that our clients, our, the employers, have already paid to their employees. So, of course, it's in our best interest and in the, therefore in their best interest to make sure we do those declarations ASAP and then release those funds within about a three-day period. So the quicker we can get in and do that, the quicker the, um, we can manage the cash flow for our clients as well. And that is probably a good point at which to close this week's meander through the daffodils on tax matters. Um, one thing that, that anyone that listens to this and is an academic, I'm a little bit of a cross-promotion, I am presenting to the annual conference, which is virtual this year, uh, of the accounting and finance Association of Australia and New Zealand, otherwise known as AFANS. That's a professional body for academics that specialise in accounting and finance across New Zealand and Australia. So I'll be doing a 45-minute a tour de force, if I can put it that way, through the Hain Royal Commission, its key findings, and also issues that have come up since the final report was uh, revealed publicly uh, last year and where things are at with bank workers and the finance sector union. So I'll be doing all of that on Monday. And you can plug your book, Vulture City, as well, available at all good bookshops, Tom, and Booktopia and other places. And, yes, wilkinsonpublishing.com.au, the publisher's website, so you can get that as well. Um, Lisa, thanks for joining me again this week. Absolute pleasure, Tom. Always love talking tax. And um, I hope... Hope people don't rush their tax returns too early because everybody is saying, wait, don't aim to get your material in early because there will be some COVID-based issues that you're going to have to grapple with. So wait until the ATO is highly likely to have all of the pre-filled information online. So you, if you, if you self-assess or use an agent, all that information is available and you don't have to lodge a second time to adjust. And also, I really hope that Disney Plus 
um, streaming service doesn't have the same problem as the ATO portal had this year when Hamilton gets released tomorrow. Oh, that's right. You're watching that. <laughs> I've, I've got it marked in my diary. Oh. So I very hope that hope that my stream works because I'm quite excited about it, Tom. And I'm thinking with him how popular that's going to be. I hope it. I hope there's a different IT back system for Disney Plus than what it is the ATO portal. I'm sure they don't use the Commonwealth of Australia as a supplier of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, until, uh, until next week, folks. Stay safe. Um, look after each other, and we'll talk tax again.